Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Hey, I'm Ricky Allison, Men's Ministry Associate. The following is one of our seven talks from the 2023 Forge Men's Retreat on 1 Timothy 6.11. But you, man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Enjoy this talk from our Creekside Campus Pastor, Chuck Patrick on Love. Lieutenant John Blanchard stood and gazed out over the mass of people in Grand Central Station, looking for the woman whose heart he knew but whose face he'd never seen, the girl with the rose. It all began about 13 months earlier in a Florida library while on leave. He grabbed a book and was fascinated with this book, not by the contents, but he was captivated by the soft handwriting in the margin of almost every page. And so he looked in the front of the book and saw the donator was a, a lady, Miss Hollis Maynell. With a little time and effort, he located her address in New York City and wrote to her asking if she would like to correspond. Well, she did. So they wrote for a few weeks and then he gets shipped back to service in the European theater in World War II. So those letters for the next year companion him through the darkest hours of the war. So each letter was like a seed falling on a fertile heart of romance. So he requested a photograph. Miss Maynell said no. She said if he really cared, it wouldn't matter what she looked like. Well, so his tour is over. He shipped back to the United States to New York City. They planned their first meeting. The last letter, she says, hey, this is how you'll know me. I'll be the young lady with the red rose on my lapel. So here Lieutenant Blanchard looked out over this massive crowd looking for the woman whose heart had grown to love, whose face he'd never seen, the girl with the rose. As Paul Harvey tells the story, he says, I'm going to let Lieutenant Blanchard tell you the rest of the story in his own words. A young woman was coming toward me, Lieutenant Blanchard said. Her figure long and slim, her blonde hair lay back in curls from her delicate ears. Her eyes were blue as flowers. Her lips and chin had a gentle firmness in her pale green suit. She was springtime come alive. I started toward her, entirely forgetting to notice that she was not wearing a rose. As I moved, a small provocative smile curved her lips. You going my way, sailor? She murmured. Almost uncontrollably, I made another step closer to her. And then I saw Miss Maynell. She was standing almost directly behind the girl, a woman well into her 50s with white hair tucked under a worn hat. She was more than plump, her thick ankled feet thrust in the low-heeled shoes. The girl in the green suit was walking away. I felt as though I split in two. So keen was my desire to follow her, yet so deep was my longing for this woman whose spirit had companioned mine during the darkest hours of the war. Well, there she stood. Her plump face was kind and sensible. Gray eyes had a warm twinkle. I didn't hesitate. My finger gripped the small, worn blue leather book that was to identify me to her. This would not be love, but maybe something 
precious, something perhaps even better, a friendship which I had been, must ever be grateful. So I squared my shoulders, saluted, held out the book to her, even the bitterness of my disappointment. I said, I'm Lieutenant Blanchard. You must be Miss May now. May I take you to dinner? The woman's face broadened into a tolerant smile. I don't know what this is about, son, she answered. But the young lady in the green suit who just went by, she begged me to wear this rose on my coat. She said, if you were to ask me out to dinner, I should tell you she's waiting for you in the big restaurant across the street. She said it was some kind of a test. Are we tested in our pursuit of love? The French poet who says, said, tell me who you love, and I'll tell you who you are. Listen, Miss Maynard wasn't the first person to gauge a person's heart by their love for the unlovable, the undesirable. Let me tell you, guys, I was that heavyset lady in the story with the rose. Most of you know my story. You know, I never knew the love of a father. Mother was an alcoholic addict, and we lived with my grandmother in a little inner-city apartment in downtown Chattanooga. People in the neighborhood called me white trash. My mother, they called things I can't mention. So I didn't know what love was, but God. Don't you love the but gods? But God demonstrated his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, unlovable, undesirable, hopeless, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, that is God's love pursuing us. On your notes there, draw a picture of the cross. Draw a picture of the cross. That's how God demonstrated his love. Now, how do we respond? How do we pursue love? Well, Jesus said it well in one of his last sermons. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Pretty profound statement, that last verse. The 613 laws of the Torah, the prophets Jeremiah, Elijah, Isaiah, Daniel, all those words, Jesus says, yes, I'm going to make it simple for you. Here's where it centers right here on this love thing. See, I want you to pursue that. So how do we as men, pursue our love of God. Okay, on that cross you drew, draw, draw an arrowhead on the vertical bar there. Draw an arrowhead on the top. So he demonstrated his love at the cross. How do we demonstrate? Well, I'll give you a simple formula that we all know here is the, are the five love languages. Five love, you see them on the screen. One, first one's words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. How often do you tell God how much you love it? We've been doing it here this morning, you know, led by Brother Hinkle, telling him that. Don't you think God loves to hear that? Man, our great Savior, your amazing grace. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, acts of service, are you serving him? Gifts, simple way to remember that is our time, our talent, and our treasure. So are you giving to God, or are you taking from God? Quality time. Now, listen, we all want to spend eternity with God. We just don't want to spend time with Him. Give me an ouch. Ouch. Yes, that's right. We kind of Facebook more than we seek His face. We text more than we 
Study the text. All he wants is to spend time with us. That fifth one is physical touch. We say, wait a minute, God's a spirit. All right, look back to your cross there. That horizontal bar, draw arrowheads on both ends of that. Physical touch. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. All right. Now, other guys have alluded to your pursuit of love for your spouse, of course. Well, I could teach biblically on that. I can't teach experientially. So I'm going to focus on this. I believe what Jesus is saying here, neighbor. Is that the guy down the street from me? Well, Jesus expanded that definition of neighbor in the Good Samaritan story. So that neighbor is a person probably can't afford to live in your neighborhood. Maybe he's a little different than you. Maybe he's undesirable, unlovable. Several years ago, it was 2016. I remember it well. I was doing my duty as a minister on call day, visiting hospitals, and I visited one of our members at Stanford Place. Many of you guys probably know Stanford Place. Had a good visit, so I'm leaving, and I see a guy in a wheelchair outside, one of the residents there. I said, hey, how you doing? I said, hey, and so I hit my car. As soon as I opened my door, I felt it. Ugh, the Holy Spirit kicked me. You ever been kicked by the Holy Spirit? He'll do it, brother. He'll do it. Shut that door, went back. I said, hey, listen, uh, you getting some fresh air? Yeah, yeah. I said, listen, my name's Chuck. He says, my name's Jazz. I said, man, great to meet you, Jazz. What I would learn, this was the beginning of about a year-long bromance, more like a father-son. He was 30 years old. He was paralyzed from the neck down. And uh, I said, Jazz, hey, I'm going to come back and visit you. And by the way, he's not a member, doesn't tithe to our church. Come on, come on. <laughs> All right. See, we kind of live, us pastors live in church world. I got to get out of church world. You follow me? So went back next week. I thought this is the mission God has for me, to lead him to Jesus. And I said, Jazz, do you know Jesus? He goes, Yes, he had to breathe hard to speak. Yeah, Brother Chuck, I couldn't make it without him. Wow. He's preaching to me, brother. Well, so I thought, I suppose I thought, God, what's my mission? And God clearly said, you got to love on him. He's going to love on you. So for several months, I'm going to tell you how great the love was. I spent a Saturday there watching an Alabama game, Jake. Oh, man. At Christmas, I went uh, to, the, to the athletic store, and I bought him a big owl, elephant, sitting in, in his room there. And he's had some beautiful times talking about life. I learned from him and a lot of the staff there that his family, all from out Stevenson, Alabama, and they were pretty poor, and they didn't hardly get to come up and visit him. This is the only facility that could take care of him. About 11 months later, I got a call. Uh, actually, I had left my card with him early in our relationship. I said, if you ever need an, uh, me, here's my number here. So the nurse put it on the wall there. Well, evidently his mother had found it, and she calls me. I said, Brother Chuck, I said, yes, uh, this is Jazz Brewster's mother. I said, oh, yes. I'd love to meet you sometime. She said, well, Jazz in the hospital. I said, oh, man. So I headed down to Memorial. He was in ICU. So I got there, and he was pretty rough shape. A few years later, they moved him to Kindred, and Kindred is sort of a last days kind of hospital. I never forget walking into that room in Kindred and seeing him there, and uh, I knew soon he'd be gone. So, you know, he couldn't feel anything, 
So his mom's standing there, and I said, Jess, Jesus loves you. And he kind of barely responded. I said, I love you, brother. I reached over and kissed him on the forehead so he could feel something. And I started crying like a baby. Hadn't had a cry like that in years. Well, that night he went to be with Jesus. The mother calls me the next day and says, Chuck, brother Chuck, would you do his funeral? Wow. So I went down to Stevenson, Alabama. There's a picture of Jazz. You show that picture there. There's the, the program for the funeral. The only white guy in this whole place here. And actually, there were a few from Stanford Place who had grown to love him as well. And I'm preaching, and down below, they had his chair. Now, I learned this from David Dawkey. Y'all, a lot of you know David, that a chair becomes part of you, your life. But they had there, and I said, listen, Jazz don't need this chair anymore. The place went wild. You thought it was the Alabama-Tennessee game. Somebody yells, preach. I said, I am. Somebody said, preach some more. I said, I will. <laughs> it was unbelievable, man. But it was my chance to say goodbye to someone God had used to show me that, that man, God, I've, God says, I've got people for you to love, to love to me. You know, in the, the last sermon in court, recorded Matthew, Jesus says, if you do this for the least of these, you've done it to me. And Max Mercado says, the sign of the saved is our love for the least. So guys, as we pursue God's love, he pursued us as we pursue it to others. Let me encourage you with this. These profound words from the beloved theologian, Dr. Theodore Seuss. To the world, you may be one person, but to one person, you may be the world. Jesus, speak to us now about your great love in pursuing us. But God, you've got us as emissaries, ambassadors here to share your incredible love with a lost and hurting world. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.